It's Monday, March 4th, 2019. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode 198 of the 5049 podcast. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining us for another conversation between myself and another musician. Today, that musician is a producer, multi-instrumentalist, percussionist, killer of sound boys, Raz Messinae. Let's have a listen. Raz has been in the game a long time, and he makes compelling recordings. And uh, today's a really good one. Today on the show, Raz Messinae. Before we get into it, a few things to talk about. Number one, I want to point you guys uh, in the direction of something that I think you might enjoy. Back in 2014, episode 54 of this podcast was with Hank Steamer. Hank, uh, in addition to playing drums in bands like Stats, uh, Big A, Little A, temporarily with Psalm Zero, uh, he has been very prolific for the last several years as a writer about music. He uh, writes for Rolling Stone. He used to write for Time Out. Um, And he has started a podcast called Heavy Metal Bebop. Heavy Metal Bebop is a series of interviews with musicians who uh, straddle those worlds in some capacity. The first episode is up. It's with Dave King from The Bad Plus, and it's great. Funny enough, uh, the day that I recorded today's conversation with Roz, I visited with Hank to uh, offer some podcast guidance. We're coming up on almost 200 episodes here, and uh, I think it's safe to say that I'm something of a podfather. I, I will declare, I declare myself a podfather. 200 episodes, uh, six years in, I'm a podfather. So check it out. Heavy Metal Bebop. It's in iTunes. Sorry, my dogs are barking. Hold on. Pearl! Hey, sweetie. Heavy Metal Bebop with Hank Steamer. Check it out. Are you digging this show? Go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash 5049podcast and become a donor. It helps. It means a lot. It keeps the show running strong. If you've already done it, if you've been doing it, thank you. Uh, it, it means the world to me. All right, there's a lot to talk about with today's show, so we're going to get right into it. Today on the show, Roz Messinai. Do you guys know Roz? Roz has been making music and, and presenting it to people in recordings and in performances since the late 80s in New York City. Roz is from New York City. He was born in Israel, uh, but grew up all over Manhattan, lived in the Lower East Side, lived in Harlem. Um... He's been deeply involved with dub, with, uh, with DJing, with dance hall, um, with improvisation, with, with film scoring. Um, to, put it, to put it very succinctly, uh, from my perspective, Roz is my kind of dude. Uh, I've been a big fan of his music for, for many, many, many years. He's released records uh, under the name Badawi. He's released records most recently under the name Ghost Producer. Uh, he's done a few records on the Zodic label under his own name, Raz Messinai. And in particular, uh, there's a 2003 record called Resurrections for Goatskin. That's what was playing at the top of the show. 
I think it's one of the best records to ever come out on Zodic. Uh, I, I say that. I, I endorse the record quite heavily. I, I can tell you the what I think are the five best records on Zodic, and uh, that's one of them. As you'll hear from Roz today, you know, I, I don't know that he feels particularly uh, attached to a lot of what's been described as quote-unquote downtown improvised music. I th- you know, we, we just as an aside, I, I think, uh, at least for me, that, that phrase is officially dead. I don't think that means anything at all anymore. Um, but Raza stayed incredibly busy and incredibly active in a wide variety of, of, of music. And it's all really compelling. A lot of you, you know, who, who've gotten to know me pretty well over the last couple of years know that as, you know, in my own music, uh, I like records with vibes. I like records that tell a story across the board from from obviously from the, the, the compositional standpoint, but from production to to the mix. The whole thing is, is hugely important to me, and the records that I tend to hold in the absolute highest regard possible are those that, that sonically really tell a story. And Roz's records really, really do that. In addition to his work as a musician, Roz is the founder, or one of the founders, of the Underground Producers Alliance. What is the Underground Producers Alliance? It is a consortium of, of underground legends of, of sound. They offer a number of courses ranging from everything from sound design to, to you know, beat production, all across the board, uh, extended studio techniques. And when I say underground legends, I'm talking about people like Scotty Hard, uh, Prince Paul, H. Prism, just Randall Dunn. You guys might remember him from, uh, I think, epi- about 50 or 60 episodes ago. Good shit Roz is doing. Real good shit. He's done some amazing soundtracks. Uh, Roz is deep. Roz is very, very deep. If you want to find out more about the Underground Producers Alliance, go to upa.nyc. There are a couple of things I should tell you about about today's show. Number one, this was recorded um, over at Roz's place in Brooklyn. Uh, I, the only reason I mention that is, you know, when I record remotely, when it's, you know, outside of the, my own studio, uh, the sound is a little bit different. And in this particular instance, you can hear uh, a steam pipe in Roz's apartment uh, kind of acting a fool. It was really cold that day. Another thing I should tell you... Um, a lot of today's show, especially in the second half, Raz and I uh, talk a lot about current social norms and how they relate to creativity, and um, and it's very uh, it's very candid. I'll say that. The other thing I'll tell you, uh, just f- for absolute clarity, is at the very start of our conversation, uh, Raz is telling me a story about his personal encounter with Donald Trump. It's it, it's just I just want to make that clear because it's a little hard to tell um, from what we're talking about as uh, as it starts. All right, um, that's it. If you want to find out more about Roz, go to hereticofether.tumblr.com. Hereticofether.tumblr.com. Okay, the dogs are barking. I got to give them some dinner. Here's my conversation with Roz Messinai. He grew up in Seattle, but he lives in Paris. Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, 
So before we get into too much stuff, like, you got to tell me the Donald Trump story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I was a DJ at the Limelight. It was, you know, the Limelight mm-hmm. was club. And this was in the early 90s for sure. It couldn't have been after 90. It might have been 94 at the latest because 96. I mean, at, at that time, he was just like a page six celebrity, like jackass. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was always in, the, you know, but, but yeah. keep in mind, he's been, he's been in, in, in our view for a very long time, especially yeah, in yeah. New York. In New York, he's like, yeah, he's literally like Kingpin from Batman or you know, <laughs> uh, the Joker or something. I think Roger Stone is the Joker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So 94, you're at the limelight? Yeah, yeah, 94, I'm at the limelight, I'm DJing in the back room, and, and uh, Trump's there, and there was a lot of models there. I think maybe it was a pageant, or maybe it was back for Yeah, yeah I think Who he knows? turns up for that shit. But uh, he was there, and then I, I uh, had to take a leak, and so I left a record on that was like kind of long, and so I ran towards the bathroom, and then he was going in at the same time, so I cut him off, you know, <laughs> to get into the bathroom. I know it's not nice, but I, I'm the DJ. You know? Yeah, so, you got to get back before the record. Yeah. So I cut him off, and he's kind of like, and then uh, I, I get out, and he's still there, you know, when <laughs> I get out of the bathroom. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, he says to me, hey, you know, with the, yeah. the lips. Jowls. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, fuck you, man, I'm the DJ, you know. So anyway, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh my, when uh when he won i was laying in bed i'll never forget i was laying in bed and and my girl i uh, was like oh my god you know she's right screaming um you know trump won and i was like fuck him i'm the dj <laughs> <laughs> that's all i said i don't know what it is and i still feel that way i i i've i'm the dj he just he just seems to me and this is like the most trite observation you can make about that fucking asshole but like he just seems to me like if you got in close proximity to him he would just reek of like cheap aftershave or cologne you know like one of those dudes with like a fucking blackberry on his belt well, i guess i got close to him i didn't smell anything like that you're the second person i've heard say that which matt could... damon now no <laughs> <laughs> well you know you're you're, uh, you're in the club circuit I've, I've been in some then, clubs. Uh, you know, and I was pretty deep in there. I mean, my my uh, the guy who got me my first gigs in clubs is the guy who got murdered by Michael Alleg, uh, the famous you know story that right. ended it ended the club. party monster. Yeah. Party monsters based off of the guy Angel, mm-hmm. who, but um, basically, I, I was selling cassettes of my like, music in the street. in front of Tower Records. Like you like hip hop? No, like further over on. Um, uh, Astor Place near, right. you know, it was a lot of uh, the dance music people were selling tapes over there. They're, you know, very diverse, like Acid House, yeah, ambient, but that, hip-hop, that used to be a real thing. Stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so I was one of those guys selling tapes, but all the stuff I was doing was was original music. But it, right. it, it was it was made to look like a mix, a DJ mix. So. The concept being like you're going to rope them in and then give them this crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I kind of may boastfully say I invented the mixtape because it seemed like. It was what, it was before the mix, it was right when the mixtape started, which was a mixtape of other people's music. We're talking where DJs what year-ish? I started doing that in 89. 89? Yes. Okay. My first tapes, I started selling them in 89 when I was 15. It asked her place. And you grew up downtown? Uh, I grew up all over New York, mostly Harlem, uh-huh. uh, uh, Upper West Side, and uh-huh. Lower East Side. Where in the Lower East Side? Uh, Essex. Okay. Yeah. 
but that was very early on. Then I moved on further uptown, uptown, and lived in Abewood for a little while. Yeah. As a kid, and uh, so you're down at Astor Place slinging tapes, yeah, 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 slinging and tapes. the party monster. Oh, at kid? that time, I lived upstate in uh, for two years. Where? Uh, in Woodstock at my grandfather's house. So I was taking buses towards the end there. Okay. The, the last year, and then 16, I was back in New York City full time. I was going to a high school called City Ass School. That's like an internship high school for like complete fuck ups. <laughs> um, like an alternative school. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of crazy people who went there. Like good crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interesting people who went there. Crazy, like uh... Basquiat went there. Oh, um, that's Ad yeah. Rock from Adam DC Horowitz. Boys. Yeah, Martin Shkreli, the farm bro. Great, the great. <laughs> um, yeah, man, respect. Uh, what else? Uh, Was it like the kind of? I heard Adam Horowitz talk about that score recently, actually. Really? Oh, cool. It's cool. in the uh, that new Beastie Boy book that came out. Oh, interesting. Yes, yeah, yeah. Have you that checked that Stretch book? Stretch Armstrong was involved. In, I think Stretch was doing that. He lives nearby. No, no, I haven't seen it yet, but my friend has it's it. She was going to... Spectacular. Heard it's oh, yeah. Spectacular. I would expect nothing. And, else, but... I mean, that sort of, that version of New York mm. City, uh, early 80s, oh, beautiful, hip-hop yeah. coming out, like, they really paint the picture in a really... Uh, like tangible way awesome yeah 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 they're good they're great um yeah so but so wait, who, who was it that you got your tape to at astor place oh a- angel bought one of my tapes yeah astor place and he came back later and then i ran into him again at this place called i think it was either vinyl mania or another store that was a record store i used to also frequent uh-huh. give them my music and whatnot uh and um and, and he said you know i don't know any of these artists i know all the you know he knows all the tracks i was like yeah, actually i made all those tracks <laughs> because i was selling them as a dj right not as a producer it's like the reverse of what is now where everyone wants to be a producer right like, i was i was a producer but that didn't seem sexy you know right i was the dj playing this rare shit that no one ever heard or could but what get was, their hands on but what was the music it was my own music. Oh, oh, it, generated it, from. There was different ones. Some of them were were. I would I would call it. It's a little hard to explain, but I would call it dub. Uh, it uh uh, some of it was Gabber. I did like a bunch of uh-huh. similar to Gabber uh, albums. I did a bunch of ambient records. I did a uh, Acid House. I did House. I did a. Uh, but you were. I mean, I I can't imagine that you were thinking about those things with those labels not genres no no right no. but but it was very easy i mean you know that was less of a pro of an issue back then than it is now everything is much more genre related than it was back then you know in a lot of ways it's right i mean just just taking house and you're adding on progressive house and you're adding on um micro uh, conservative yeah. house and you're adding on you know libertarian house and next thing you know there's all this different versions of this one thing that's just it's just fucking house you know well, I mean, it's like that with everything like yeah, with yeah. metal acid with... house acid house was interesting and I, actually i was inspired later by psychic tv's version of acid house right which was you know Janice Peorge and my neighbor oh yeah yeah, yeah right right <laughs> i see her all the time yeah. up there them uh uh and um yeah so that's what i was doing so so angel the fucking wings, you know. Right. Uh, uh, one time, I remember coming home, and Angel was in the house with my mom, and my mom, you know, really thought it was an angel. It was just what? like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like wild stuff. But uh, I mean, that's th- a very different, much more colorful version of New York City than I think a lot of people are accustomed to now. Yeah, yeah, you know, it feels really strange, like as if there was some sort of, uh, you know, there was something that came in, took all the drag queens away out of New I don't York. Know where they went. <laughs> 
And then they came back as younger millennials who just figured out that, that and they, and who think that it's new to right. dress up in women's clothing. <laughs> right. So it was like, no, it's not new, honey. Um, and it used to be a lot more dangerous. Yeah. And, and not only that, like the meatpacking district was like, that's where everyone hung out. It was like a spot called Florent. And, you know, and, <laughs> and if you were gay, it was like, yeah, okay. You know, it wasn't yeah. like a, a big, you know, uh, no one gives, gave a fuck except, at least in the clubs and then outside was, you know, the world so you, right. know, you had to deal with the elements of the world and people who hate you so anyway the club circuit was um very important to me i think in, you started hitting the clubs really early yeah 16 I, I went to red zone and these different ones i, I dj'd different places mars uh the building. Wait, Mars Bar on Second Avenue? No, it was called Mars. It was in the, near the Meat Pack. It was a massive club that yeah. closed pretty early. It was in the '90s when it closed. Um, the building was a goth kind of thing. Yeah. So I used to play industrial stuff. And when I DJed, I would actually DJ other people's music, but but I was primarily producing music. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to get it into the marketplace, and so my idea was to create mixtapes. And then uh, that were DJ tapes of this rare, obscure electronic music that wasn't, you know, and no one could find, right? Right. Uh, anyway, Angel, I met that Mike Alec once or twice at the clubs. Uh, you know, the guy who killed Angel. <laughs> I mean, they, they like. He's out walking the streets now. Yes, he is, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, what they do, they pour Drano down his throat and then they chopped him up in little pieces, put him in a briefcase, and then they threw him in the Hudson River. Well, these are the kind of stories that you don't really get from <laughs> violinists who just got out of conservatory in Oberlin, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't I didn't know Zorn back then, you know. I met Zorn right. later. Right. But uh that's... But he was he was, you know, fucking holding it down yeah, at totally, a very totally, scary totally, time. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zorn's like legit gangster, you know. No, I mean, I was there when I was seven, yeah. uh, up till I was seven, three years old till seven. I was, I remember some of the Lower I mean, East Side. My memory of the Lower East Side from the 80s, I grew up 45 miles north of the city. Right. But culturally, it's a universe away. It's fucking, you know, it's meth country. And I just remember everything being gray, mm -hmm. cold, and just like Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> just <Yeah>. like <laughs> Exactly. And I, I was going to the studio, my studio, where I was producing stuff in the 90s was near Zorn like two blocks away I think. okay yeah at the the Chrysadora in that building that's on right by uh over by D yeah the, the one with the big like uh... yeah 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 exactly yeah it's like a nice building yeah, yeah, yeah. my partner who was uh he, he was the first like older producer took me under his wing was uh John Ward he was over there he also worked at uh, Sterling Sound in the early days yeah so I was always in Sterling Sound when I was 15, 16. But so uh, 17. The so. first the first instrument was percussion? Actually, I met John much later. I met him 18 or 19. My first instrument? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's God, I don't know. I No, I would say you know, I'm not really uh It's just hard to explain this. Sure. Right? Sometimes I don't even know if it's worth it explaining unless people ask. You know, um but as far as musician, like I don't consider myself really a musician, even though I play instruments. Mm -hmm. I I know what I do. I mean. Yes, of course I am. But, but yeah. it's not what I'm doing for a living. It's not what I'm promoting myself as, sure. as doing, and it's not what I teach. Well, then I'll, I'll, I as a as a young person with uh, feeling compelled to create shit, what yeah. were the first tools that you grabbed? 
Well, that yeah. So my first stuff when when I was ten was um, taking apart boom boxes and like uh, speakers and things like that, and putting together systems um, so that I could figure out how to make the music that I liked, which was predominantly when I was ten, it was breakdance music, basically. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make break music for break dancers and uh, i was trying to figure out how to do that and there was no schools to to show you so no. so uh so i tried all kinds of really impossible ways <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a drum machine was not part of what the impossible not yet, was. but i got yeah. that later you know not not that long later but um and then uh took a break from the music thing for many years but but that was it and then um i had an affinity to the keyboard to piano and percussion and i think i play piano like i play percussion so it's percussion you know right Right. Um, I think even the music, I guess percussion would be a, a main part of of uh, how I interact with it. But you know, doing sound design and um, yeah, I'm just interested more in systems. Yeah, and I see music as a system, so I, I, I work with it in that way, uh, and I can kind of recode it and uh you know right. change it in different ways and and, and that, that just means learning new skills so i'm constantly trying to learn new things new instruments i mean automatically that sounds to me like part of the genesis of dub music mm. uh and even like sitting here in this room in your studio I, when, I, when I was like 22, Jamie Saft gave me a copy of Bass Culture. Mm. He was like, here, you want to talk about studio shit? This is what you need to check out. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, even his studio, this studio, like there's this sort of spirit of like dusty gear cobbled together in like a non-idiosyncratic way that is more reflective of an individual's choice than of a prescribed method. Precisely. That's yeah. how I interpret it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great interpretation. It's exactly right. And, you know, um, so, you know, like how the studio looks changes whenever I do different projects yeah. right now I'm, I'm in embedded into this ghost producer project I have called ghost producer and I'm doing film scores. I'm doing all this stuff. So, so, you know, it looks like this right now, but right. it changes a lot. I've had a lot of different setups. Like I always think of, well, I, I don't, I don't want to look at this when I'm making music. I want to look at, I want to create the actual, um, atmosphere. Yeah. Literally like, uh, and I always use this as an example. You ever saw um, um, Ray Bradbury's? Um, it was a TV show. Ray Bradbury's like writing, starts writing, and he looks around that room, and there's like all this. Stuff. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that. Like that's how. And you know, Zorn's like this too. Yep. This place is all, and it's you guys a gotta be vibed out. There's yeah. no reason you you shouldn't do that when you're doing electronic. You, you just have to master uh, the gear to the point where it's submissive to you. You know, you, it's um loudspeakers and all these things yeah. that you need to i mean not many people are, are are really mastering their their actual instruments because they're changing so much mm -hmm. you know uh, and they're not even really changing that much but it's almost like you know someone's taking the piano and moving the black keys over there for a, we're talking a about few technology years. now right? yeah yeah for a year and then they're trying that and like all the pianists are like wait what all these kind of things are just systems like i'm saying and so if i if, if if I want to create a sort of atmosphere, that's I have to think about. All right, I have to put together a whole new system. Like take these out, swap it with all the gear on. You know, mm -hmm. put together a whole new tape array, or uh, or it's an instrument, or it's a piano, or it's or it's any anything like that, right. and then do the project that I'm trying to do. So that's why I don't see myself 
fully as a musician where they're always going for the same place like all right percussion you know um or or this or that it's more like a, but even then know, like creating a, a whole but um, even within that framework you know do you do you feel like you sort of amass and rely on certain pieces of gear and aspects that get you know, just become part of the language? I think relying on them is exactly what I don't want to do. Right. So it's almost like the point of what I do is to not rely on those things. And that's an improviser's instinct. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, when I listen to improvisers, I only hear them using a set uh, vocabulary of uh, kind of language that they built up into a little library that they have, you know, with their figures <laughs> and they kind of pick at it you know yeah. like throw it in just like a ableton live has a little browser with all your yeah, you just drop in it. yeah and so what i do is update that library beginning of every year right right so right. I, like i have a whole list of things that i have to do every year that keeps me sustained financially as well as uh artistically yeah you know what i'm saying so so the stock that starts with a sample library uh, development at the beginning of every year every I, year i've done finally you know yeah. finished that and then um then I, I have this whole access of new sounds that no one has that i developed myself and these are from a variety of sources yeah no samples that are illegal you know I'd go to studios build up this you know say oh, you know this year i'm gonna work at oregon and i'm gonna do this and do that and then i yeah. just dig into it and then uh, keep changing it and morphing it, like alchemy, really. You know? Right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, Until it becomes new stuff. And then I um, just do what I do, you know. Um, luckily, and then maybe make more if projects come about. No. I think that way of working... <laughs> I'm kind of flowing off topic, I guess. That's fine. This is the best, the best yeah. way to do it. Uh, but like that way of working to me... Because, uh, you know, that, that's, that feels very familiar, what you just described. Yeah, uh, okay. I, Let's close that because... The... Uh, I mean, I remember as a kid, my brother and I figuring out like how to make like first, you know, like I was like, dude, get in here. I had like a boombox, and I played for him that I recorded my voice twice. I was like, dude, check this fucking shit out, you know. And then that turned into making like pause tapes and stuff like that. Exactly, pause tapes, yeah. Um, and that that feeling is still the same feeling mm. to me in the studio. Uh, that you know, when you get like the hairs on your arm kind of stand up because you've, there's been some kind of discovery. Yeah. Um, to, to me, it, it, it neat. I feel very lucky to have had that experience early on with like cheap plastic, like mm. caveman tools. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah exactly. It's like, like a, uh, radio shack, you know, mixers. And, it's, it's yeah. like th those, those recordings to me are like cave paintings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I still have them. I, I mean, there was a record that came out of my old, um, you know, the just yeah, you know, <laughs> pause tapes. tapes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That came. It's on vinyl, like crazy, like stuff yeah. that I did on cassette. And it's now on vinyl. Like why? <laughs> but you know, whatever. I mean, that's a whole long conversation. People, yeah, 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 yeah. People are really excited to put fucking poorly recorded shit on vinyl, which is <laughs> yeah, really yeah, weird yeah. to me. There's <laughs> like no high frequency. Wait, so did you, you? You said earlier when we were in the kitchen that you were born in Israel. Did you um, go back and forth a lot growing up? Not too much. I was born there only because my mother was there got stuck during the war um so i was born there and then i i went back a few times uh, when i was seven for a few months and then longer when i was uh 11 i mean uh, for much for a few years israel in the 80s that would have been a pretty specific vibe it was really insane yeah i had a very particularly crazy um life you know, how so there 
Um, I was predominantly alone most of the time when I was there. I became Orthodox. I was a Hasidic Jew for a while. That was your choice? Yeah. Uh, just all kinds of insanity. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to get back to New York. I was really a New Yorker. I didn't really know the language that well. and you know, I didn't know Hebrew. Conversational Hebrew, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm raised by a single mother who's who's uh you know american me from new york you know so so uh with no father so so i was uh you know i i just was in a for you know in new york i was allowed to walk out just do things yeah on my own as a little kid and just wander around same thing happened there so you know so but did how long did you stick with the hasidic thing uh it was two years it was uh full full on was that sort of like like the the seeker side of you no that was a survival yeah issue because i i needed food and somewhere to stay so so it was a little bit more complicated than that i had uh i was afraid of all kinds of things i mean it's kind of a long story that okay I, yeah i can't really get into but i i was uh you know not um uh, normally raised <laughs> in any yeah. way like i was basically like, put into a position where i had to really fest for myself when i was a kid in israel not so much here here is a lot easier to yeah. do that uh, as a kid but over there i was i was kind of i was getting a lot of trouble before that so it was sort of like kind of like a feral now it's you're you're on your own you're gonna have to you know change you know so so i did that early when i came back um then i had to live with my grandfather for two years up in woodstock yeah up in woodstock and and then i met juma sultan who was uh jimmy hendrix yeah he was jimmy hendrix's percussionist he gave me this when i was 14 the echo box yes so juma became a mentor to me juma i don't know a lot about juma i know juma from the woodstock documentary juma's like you know i know i know a lot of people don't know a lot about juma because he doesn't really you know talk yeah like i mean he, he can talk your ear off but that's for sure but but doesn't really he's been kind of pushed aside out of the thing but this guy is literally one of the most important people in free jazz because um you know he started the loft jazz movement he literally is the guy who who launched that with uh studio we which was on yeah. eldridge and that was juma juma with i um, didn't realize that yeah um he was uh he's the force behind the uh loft jazz movement because you know, the Newport Jazz Festival was coming in. They weren't bringing in New York City artists. No. And so they that's why they started the Loft Jazz Movement. And it was predominantly for free jazz, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, just a lot of... So, uh, you know, everyone was there when uh, they were kids, like Zorn and yeah, yeah. Marty Rev. Marty Rev was here, and he was like... I started playing... I have a, I'm actually a producer of Juma's Archive, which is the archive of all the Loft Jazz era stuff. So from I, the, all the performances are happening at we yeah dude yeah, yeah. i have all those um and i uh and you're digitizing the most, them and yeah it's all done archive. i mean it's the most amazing thing I, I i don't have to hear any other music other than the music that he recorded it's pretty much the greatest music i've ever heard you know it's uh sunny simmons yep sam rivers and uh pharaoh and rashid everyone. ali exactly all those guys are on there paul yeah. smith and people i'd never heard of um, I think yeah, Ornette's like buried in there, but yeah, 
Hendrix came to jam, you know. Are you serious? People. Yeah, of course, because uh, he was trying to be a jazz musician before he, he was got gonna, into he was, rock. He was going to do the thing with Miles. He met Juma before he ever even got his band together because he wanted to play jazz, and Juma was like really into his playing, and Juma was one of the only people that was into Hendrix's playing as I a mean, guitar player is... for, for jazz. And so he was always like, yeah, you get him in. And no one was interested. And so later on, Juma, I mean, I'll let Juma tell these stories because I don't know. You is know. he still in New York? Uh, he's upstate, yeah. yeah. Juma's a deep guy, and it's really interesting how all these connections I made later connected back to Wait, Juma. How, how did you meet Juma? Uh, he was a friend of my mother's. She said, oh, my son's doing this weird stuff with tape, and maybe you'll understand what he's doing. And so he came in and said, oh, what the fuck are you? You know, I know what this guy's doing. Because yeah. he knew the Jamaicans in the Bronx and everything. And so he gave me that. That was the first thing he did was give me this. He's like, this will make your life a lot easier because it's a tape loop. <laughs> Yeah. That's a sacred piece of gear. It is. Yeah, I used to. I got it cleaned up, and now it doesn't work anymore. Ever since I got it fixed. But yeah, but if this place catches was, fire, you grab that on the way out. Of course. Yeah. This is. Uh, I've had it you know, right. most of my life. Um, so. so. Yeah, but that's kind of like the hip thing about like non-traditional childhood. I had a very non-traditional childhood. Yeah. Is that if you have parents like, like I went to Montessori camp growing up and all this shit. Right. Right. Whenever it's that again, something you said felt very familiar to me, which was you kind of start checking out crazy shit. And my mom was always the first to be like, I, I think I know a person for you to talk to. Right. Like one of my crazy artist friends. And Well, it's great to know people yeah, like that. Sometimes yeah. it would stick. As long as they're not perverts. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going I'm to leave a bit of silence there. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that, one that needs two. to be I underscored. <laughs> I, I, I got, a, got a, a note in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that... that the time you met G, uh, Kevin Spacey. You know. Yeah, well, so yeah, so Kevin Spacey... He's uh, an artist. He'll he be fine. He taught me about theater. Yeah, yeah, he taught you real well. Yeah, I bet he did. No, yeah, I knew some fucked up dudes growing up. Let me show you something. No, but so your mom fucking put you together with Juma Sultan. Yeah, I mean, so Juma deep. was like, oh, he let me let me take care of this guy. So so he was, uh, you know, I was getting some trouble. I was 14. I was like so crazy by that point. I, I could have uh, had, you know, I could have started my own mafia at this point. Yeah. And I was like, but yet I was doing this stuff. And so I, I was making some good friends also who became producers of pretty big producers themselves. I was already friends with people who were also like me. They were working like, on it. Uh, Max Glazer, Rihanna, uh -huh. you know, uh, it was my best. We're still best friends, very close friends. And uh, other people I met, uh, some past. But anyway, um, yeah. So Juma got me into the percussion right. more so. I was already playing a little bit, and I had learned frame drum a little uh -huh. bit. Uh, in Israel, I, I, I learned a lot of like, Yemenite styles uh -huh. and Ethiopian music and stuff that while I was in Israel. So I got interested in that. But I, I was always uh, more leaning towards, uh, you know, music that, uh, except, well, I'll get ahead of stuff, but, you know, I was always leaning towards making music that wasn't really kind of elitist. <laughs> I guess it would be the word for it yeah. later. Anyway, later. So Juma really uh, broadened my my uh, my mind. Do you feel like he helped you formalize aspects of stuff I you do, were doing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he definitely let me. I, he gave me a ten year boost, probably compared to where I would have been. Yeah, because we we talked a lot about frequency. So I think I had an early experience that opened my ears up to um, the more scientific approaches to sound, or or yeah. or. Uh, how sound works and the um, 
you know, uh, the possibilities of that. Not really thinking of it in terms of genre, like more, you know, he's more, he's, he's way out there, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, the free jazz thing is more than jazz, even it's just sure. like, right, as you know, so it's just like a term, terminology, but it's really about something else. It's like very I mean, underground. The frequency expansive. range thing is mm-hmm. so over, to me, frequency range is as important. Uh, having a grasp and, and control over frequency range and understanding how things need to sit beside each other is orchestration. Exactly, yeah. But it's uh, even more minute because we don't sit, a, sit in orchestration and really fine-tune um, frequencies. Right. Like some composers do that but when they're talking, you know, they're being very, very, very... Um, um, exact about the frequency ranges you're using, you know. Later on, when I met Marianne Amache, we became very good right. friends. Yeah. Um, then I, I was continuing on with this sort of, you know, exactly what Juma mm-hmm. led me to. So I was always uh, suddenly I was I was like in the frequency club, like everyone I'm meeting, like yeah, you down with that too, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing like wild. It's no. obviously very obvious how and you know. Uh, if an A is 440 and, you know, makes you just assume, well, what's, what are the other ones, right? Right. So if you're talking about 12 tones, it's not really that intricate. You know, I, I had this kind of like, uh, it's funny because I had this sort of, after Juma, I had this kind of, um, oh man, it was like, I was sort of arrogant, like when it came to notes, because people were like obsessed with notes, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it's not really that great. It's like, they're mm-hmm. just notes. So you, you got 12 of them. Mm-hmm. Like big fucking deal. You got all these frequencies, and and each of those notes, just one of them. Yeah. And then you got all these other ones, like, and then um. So people were always, uh, when, when as an electronic musician, quote unquote, which is kind of a stupid word as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always getting shit from people like the the heavy duties. You know, like Zorn or anybody. You know, like just little things. You know, like come to Cobra with a big sampler, and you'd be like, what the fuck? You know, everyone was always giving you shit that- about the machines you were using yeah. but then one day you know i said to someone i just couldn't take it anymore you know i said this is later when the laptops came into picture because i i didn't start using that so much later right right and i was like putting your fucking backpack he's like oh he just comes with a laptop and he was a pianist and i was like and i'm a pianist too and i'm like fuck him i'm better than he was anyway i was like you listen do you really think a piano is more complicated than this laptop like just I, you know, I'm missing yeah, something, but yeah, do you really think yeah, that yeah. that, like, I'm a, I, I bow down to the piano? No, it's not. Right. I'm going to fucking write my mom right now on this thing, and then I'm going to tell her I'll be home later, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to process your damn piano, Yeah. and then I'm going to look at some porn, and now, you know, I, I could do anything right here in this fucking box, so, so get off your high horse, you know? Yeah. But it's frequency, you know? And what did Tesla work, use, work with? High frequency. Right. What did Einstein work with? Right. What did uh, 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 Theremin work with? And, right. what, you know, everyone... Mold, all of them. Right. So it's just stop wasting time with these notes, right? It, it's like, um, it, it's almost like conservatories just suddenly just decided to, like, let's start with this and then never work our way up to the more so deeper why, shit. So why, you know, it's... It, it's I think they fucked up a lot of musicians. Yeah. Conservatories? In a lot yeah, of ways, dude. totally. Yeah, yeah it's because, a bunch of fucking... <laughs> because I, I'm shocked when people leave and I'm like, they don't know these certain things. Or when I teach at schools. Yeah. Like, when I've taught at schools, I'm like, all right, let's talk about the ear. We're just like, what's going on? And they're looking at, like, you have ten heads, or...? Yeah, yeah, like, and they're like, I'm like, you know, you guys... <laughs> like, just let's just talk about, you know, 
how sound works a little bit. No one had ever discussed this in their schools. It's really bizarre. I mean, that's yeah, like being yeah. a race car driver they, not they knowing do. how an engine works. I mean, you, you, did you go to conservatory? Oh, so, dude, no, okay, good for up. you. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, you know, there's there's kind of a lack of of certain pieces of knowledge that because if they knew all about this shit, fuck, man. they could take it to levels unknown. That's what I'm saying about. I'm not a musician, like, you, dude. You could create a time machine if you wanted to, if you knew what you were doing with right. frequency. You you could fucking, uh, you know, I I could drop bass so heavy I could tr- change your gender. You know, like <laughs> I could, I could do like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's like uh, you ultrasound. I mean, you can see inside of your you know wife's womb right. with sound. Like, wake the fuck up! And everyone's like, oh, I'm a musician. Oh. I gotta get a gig. It's so hard. I can't wait to upload my shit to my frequencies to SoundCloud, you know. And it's really a trip. Yeah. So I, I think it's that really people short-sighted. Get numb, they get dumbed down. Musicians got dumbed down maybe about a thousand years ago, in my opinion. You know, because. Sorry, I'm gonna rant a little. No, bit. this is good. This is good. But, but you know what we were talking about earlier with politics. You see, you have to understand that again, music is a system. So it's not music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to stop thinking of it that way. Once you think of it as a system, you'll see the greatest democratic system that has ever been uh, created. Uh, it's a it's a metaphor for how you would deal with human people, human beings, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and everything. It's dangerous, though. It's way dangerous. So it's like if you're, um, you know, uh, 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 Donald Trump or Obama or no one. Not even Putin himself could get the reaction the bad brains can get on a stage uh, and get people moshing like a like a you know like insane. Now, Hitler got a little close to that, yeah, closer, yeah. but not not really. You right. know, and just 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 moving this energy, yeah. out, right? So uh, that's the problem with uh, you know primarily musicians are very easily because if they didn't know that, I mean, which they don't. <laughs> If musicians really had paid attention to that for, let's say, the past few hundred years, mm-hmm. or even two, just 200 years, or even 100 years, which we started doing, but lost track of, and I could tell you exactly how, but if we had, we would have created a lot better systems for for peace and harmony and all the things we want. Um, instead, they were used for military, military you know, uh, uh, things, you know... Um, did you know the first DJs were in the military? It was in a, a faction called the Ghost Army. Where? And they developed... United States? In, yeah. In World War II, they, um, they created... A, they would record sounds of people shouting and shooting and stuff, and then they would play it back over loudspeakers. I'll send you a video of this. Uh, behind enemy lines. And they were actually creating acetate, you know, like... A, yeah. Like using wire... Um, to to transmit it, and they and they were they had their own like like little little uh, printing shop in a van, and then they had four turntables, and so they mixed like all the different sounds so that the enemy would would not know. Now, so that's the history of DJing. It's not a there was no DJs before that, right? Right. Um, nowadays, uh, uh, Justin Bieber, not Justin Bieber. Like uh, new, new. Everyone's using vocoders now again for their voices and pitch correction and all that right. stuff. And so the history of that is the voter, right? right. Huxley created. That was, you know, to to you know to make classified information and keep it secret. And uh, it, it's in order to play it, 
it was all women who played those things the voters very hard to play i think it took like a year to uh -huh. learn um because you're you're playing all the value vowels of a of a sentence right in different ways and you know with a very simple instrument that was that was in the 30s you know right um 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 who else did i bring up before uh uh fucking um leo theremin was uh he was yeah he invented the bug uh he was kidnapped back from america sent yeah. back to russia and then he had was forced to invent the bug the surveillance i can rewatch that documentary the yeah 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 so anyway i mean all, all this shit interests me because my mother uh was a researcher on missing people in the gulag is your mom still around yeah yeah and uh she used to always be paranoid that her phones were tapped so when i was a little kid she she undo, undid i keep telling a story because i was like kind of yeah it's all coming back to me like uh -huh. within the past few years not a, it wasn't in me but it's just starting to like really resonate with me like i'm thinking about how i got into these things but she opened up the rotary phone and you know, said mm -hmm. like oh you, you know you'll see a tap there was nothing in there <laughs> you'll see like a thing right here and that'll be a tap and i was like oh that's cool it's like a loudspeaker you know? so wait, wait, <laughs> like, she was convinced the phones were tapped and yeah yeah so i opening the my, phone convinced her that they weren't honestly that's my initiation into music production because yeah. i opened up a phone and looked inside of it and said well that's you know it's like i i don't sit around build stuff a lot but i basically like you said i, I got into it from the dirt like yeah, yeah, yeah. inside like the 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 cables you know like it's not <laughs> like like grotesque you know very yeah very uh personal you know right up close and personal with uh, electronics so so as that shit developed it took a long time i mean it was actually i knew it would get to the place it is now but it took a very long time because so i, I had to go through all these mediums cassette and, and uh, -huh, uh, uh -huh. quarter inch half inch you know ooh, one inch you know like a, right. and, then, and then going to mini disc oh hey dad dad you know uh, cd <sighs> On and, on and on and on so you know now we're here we're finally at this place where i think we're actually in a good place sort of in terms of tools available to musicians yeah we're at the cusp of a battle basically like between um we could just go just blow up do crazy amazing sound stuff but we're kind of being suppressed the suppression is not coming from the mainstream right not really the suppression um, I wrote about this in Zorn's book. Uh, maybe you should check that out. Okay. I've, yeah, I've got it. I've got all of them. So. Yeah, okay. Number six. Yeah, I went really. Uh, the whole thing I wrote I think, is about this. Oh, um, you might be in the same one. I don't know. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's called Soundboy Manifesto. So okay. I call that the Soundboy. You know, like in Jamaica dance hall, mm -hmm. the Soundboy is, is like the guy who it just sucks at sound, but he's just got all the girls and you're like, what, what's going on? Like, why? You know, like this guy, you know, yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone knows that guy. Yeah. He's also the guy who like, I, I kind of went a little deeper though. Like you're about to play an electronic setting, mutes your channel on the, the, you know, in the house. Right. You just, you can't be heard. Like it's over. Right. Right. <laughs> Until they unmute you. Right. So, the, so the idea that if someone can mute you is something that people have to think about. So right now, this is a bigger problem than that. Um, whereas when you, as an electronic musician, I could easily be suppressed, turned off, right? Like that. Like yeah. Donald Trump could easily be turned off. the thing, right. Because everyone's using loudspeakers. And no one thinks about this. Everything is coming through loudspeakers, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is talking to you via loudspeaker. 
and a microphone and everyone anyone anyone who it is that you're seeing or hearing is it needs that in order for it to work so what is it about that that you can get into and understand and manipulate right. and, and make art out of so that's kind of where i went and right now as you see with phones and whatnot they're going to remove the uh the analog jack mm -hmm. which is fine but now you're going to need a replacement uh plug to connect the thunderbolt or mm -hmm. you know to mm -hmm. the uh to the um eighth inch or whatnot that just seems like oh just technology no it's not it's suppression it's actually ways of controlling your your flow of yeah. the uh of the sound that you're trying to bring to the audience and that's again the suppression is cu cutting you off because you now have to go to the cloud in order to record anything on a, with one of your electronic music apps you, you have to transmit it through the cloud to get it over there right? yeah to get it to where you want it to go yeah now the cloud is is, is very similar to a, a boat where they're doing gambling in the middle of the ocean um, you can do whatever fuck you want in the middle of the ocean right. on this boat. And everyone knows that that's legal then, you know, so everyone has these insane boat things and where everyone, uh, every politician we probably know is there, you know, yeah, doing awful, like disgusting things. and fucking each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, eyes wide shut kind of shit going Exactly, out. exactly. So right now it's, uh, everyone is just gleefully putting up all their stuff and, 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 and funneling it through and, and having everything watched over, you know, no, no company would ever need another idea to hire anyone for an idea for a quote for, for right. all you have to do is generally look at us, people like us, right. Posting shit on Instagram and whatnot, you know, all of this stuff, the way it's all flowing. If you look at it real closely, it's all flowing into directions where out of our control all the stuff that they used to pay for is now as you said out of our control right okay so then meanwhile you have this other side of, of suppression having to do with encoding audio files uh compressing frequencies very minute ones of the, the, the real subtle stuff sure now all of this is has to happen in order to compress it so that it's streamable right um, but then there's this other element to it where we, or, or actually not us, but people younger than us, mm -hmm. get tuned to a specific frequency range that they're not, they're not aware. When they hear something new or old, <laughs> they freak out. It's dissonant to them. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? So, so all of this stuff is... Uh, super important shit and that's what i'm talking about about systems and how we're what we're working with is far greater and more more important than uh than what we assume it is is to play entertain an audience i i think for some people that's exactly what they should be doing uh -huh. but in other ways there is uh there's another element to it which is yeah it has to do about fighting this kind of war with these sort of aspects of suppressing someone's sound you know it, it it's a philosophical obviously conversation but, but it's, it's practical too it's very practical and it's also makes us think about ourselves are we soundboying ourselves are we are we yeah. uh like do we do it all the time to ourselves of course we do you right? know I, I talk about this all the time and i know people mm -hmm. are sick of hearing me talk about it because it sounds like old man yelling at the cloud shit right right but like people all the time are get, i swear to god anytime i, I come into contact with like like a non-musician, yeah. people are giving me grief about the fact that I uh, buy DVDs, I buy CDs, and 
the truth of the matter is, it's really simple. It's practical. It's that I need more access than what's available on streaming services. What's available on streaming services, when it sucks. So this dude was over at my house the other day, and he saw that I had... You mean the frequency range you need access to? I just mean, like, material. Like he, I had a DVD right. from Netflix on my coffee table, and he was fucking cracking up, making fun of me. He's like, why are you fucking... That's pretty old school. That's great. Well, and I said, because it's not available on a streaming service. Like, yeah. it's important to me to be able to see this. You know, and right. it makes me feel like I'm going fucking crazy. Oh, I know what you mean. You know, yeah. and if I don't... Like, I'm obsessed with this filmmaker right now. And I'm watching every one of his films over and over and over again. And you know how many of them are available on Netflix streaming? Zero. Right. So it's it's really a matter of just having access to the shit. But the fact that the cultural attitude is that's like some lame, outdated shit is terrifying to me. Very scary. Very scary. And it's good that you see that because you're completely on point. The, 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 like McLuhan said, you know, all the the uh the material that we're using as it changes it seems like it's more open and we're having more but we're actually having less and we're and things are being cut off and also they're being made in a way that can be easily cut off and sound well and i mean you know again you look at this fucking asshole that's in office right now i don't even want to say this fucking guy's name but he if you listen to the the language that he uses you look you listen to the 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 tone of his message it is so simplified and dumbed down and it's such a perfect reflection of just culturally the way we think about things right now. I almost think like the thing with transgender being a big topic of conversation, I think it's incredibly useful because it challenges people's perceptions of binary ideas. Mm. If for no other reason, you know, beyond ideas of like acceptance and, and being, you know, decent, compassionate people, the fact that if you really want to wrap your head around it, you have to stop thinking in terms of left and right, one totally. and zero. Yeah, yeah, totally. You do. And you also have to think about um, the only way to really fight certain things like that is with ra- random moves. Yeah. Where you surprise, you know, surprise the algorithm, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, in a way, in a way, some of the people you mentioned are surprising the algorithm, I guess, but we, we're not really sure. You know, we, we don't really know how much has been prepared beforehand or how much you know uh how many how many security measures have been made and i'm just still talking about sound uh-huh um you know there's all kinds of um uh reasons behind i guess what i'm opening up there's all kinds of reasons to suppress people from hearing certain things yeah and um you know i don't think the president is the one suppressing people from hearing things I, i'm 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 totally sure about that i can see who is doing that uh-huh. and it's not uh uh them but it would be if it was something if there was anything that wasn't working for them it sure as hell would that's be. a good place to go for them right yeah yeah yeah. for everyone so so it's like but we do that ourselves like it, you decide what sounds come through the speakers and what don't so when you make music you're right. going eh, i think i'm gonna delete that you know uh-huh. and then leave that or when you do a, a sound check and then people hear feedback and then they, they remove it from the room, right? Yeah. The engineers are yeah, moving. Yeah, yeah. So I, I one day said, why don't we bring it up? <laughs> right? And then uh, from there on, and that's what I learned from Juma and that's what I learned from Marianne. And like, what if we bring it up and then understand it? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Then like really listen to it. 
and then start to understand what what parts of it are hurting us. Yeah, you know, what, what is it doing to us physically? What is it doing emotionally? Yeah, how to tweak that? Marianne was a master of that in the sense of she understood how Absolute far to master. go. You might think you're going to die because you're in this insane installation, but it's done in such a precise way. Virtuoso. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she knows exactly what she's doing on every level of the gamut. You know, right. I got really angry at someone few months ago said that oh i heard that she just didn't really know what she was doing was that's like, crack of shit unbelievable you know that people were even spread it was a it was a woman i said you know i heard you say a few months before that you just said that that there was no women to look up to and there should be more women in electronic music but you should really praise the ones that are uh, already pioneers of the of the craft there's so many women mm -hmm. that are pioneers of electronic music mm -hmm. to, to this day just talk about them <laughs> like like know about them should be shouldn't be ignorant about them uh before you freak out and think that there's no women around maybe you should find out about the ones that there are and then you know look Many into of that whom have been maligned for fucking decades yeah, and yeah, continue yeah. to push forward and do crazy shit there's no reason you shouldn't know about marion amache she right. has no uh she's not hidden she fucking won I mean, she's ours. not with us anymore right but she's she won all that like you know Ars Electronica, yeah. all the stuff, that's not even a matter. It's just, there is no reason for, you know, this, this idea, this sort of emotional response. Right. That, for me, it only, uh, all it's doing is, is moving you towards voting in a particular way or, 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 or thinking in a particular way or any of those things, you know. Um, and when you brought up transgenderism, it's like, uh, it's also another element it's very easy to manipulate things like that any sort of causes or identities in order to construct a a, a path flow of people agreeing with a specific ideology mm -hmm. because of course they want to agree with it because they want to be good to these people who need help mm -hmm. so of course if everything that is aligned towards a specific um, people and, and just knowing that I saw Trump ar ar around all these drag queens and transgender people, <laughs> and he was completely comfortable in that position, you know, I guess I have a different kind of view. Or, or the picture I have of, I have a picture of Trump with uh, Supercat, Shaba Ranks, and um, Cindy Lauper, like all hanging out. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, it's at times I look at that and I just go, yeah, that's more like it. Like, you know, I, I can kind of see... A lighter side to it I, I don't you know i don't flip out on it i don't think one day we're going to look at that picture with him and shaba ranks like that guy was a nazi he actually killed like jews and he was responsible for the deaths i don't think that's going to happen you yeah know? the way uh some people are saying so i you know i but 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 of course i could be wrong i just don't predict i what i do is predict things having to do with sound about things i know about i mean you know, <laughs> you know other things i have no i'm no fan you know. of, of trump but i always get kind of bugged out like i think people should be very careful when describing people as nazis because real nazis were pretty effective at doing some oh yeah yeah they were pretty you know. bad yeah my grandfather didn't like to hear that because he had actually yeah know, exactly my, my grandparents like... were in fucking concentration camps and i you know they're not around but i'm pretty sure they would have a different opinion uh of of a guy who's kind of an asshole yeah i mean Jesus. whatever yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so right. when did you first start um like interacting with the the scene of like downtown improvisers hmm and how did that... Man, I gotta think about how to say this. Again, Juma... Okay, so think about this. You, you, you're, you're, you're with Juma Salt in 14, 15, 16, you know. Yeah, yeah, And you're also in the clubs, 
in New York. And I, and then I got picked up by Roar Records, which is Bad Brains. The legendary, right. So I was on Roar, and I was doing a lot of stuff. So I'm in the dub, you know, just doing my thing. And then I played a... Uh, I met a guy, DJ Olive. I met yeah, DJ yeah, yeah. Olive. Gregor. He came about later. This is after Angel died. Angel died in 96, I believe. So then I... I after Angel died, I was like, I'm... Uh, fuck clubs, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just do film scores. So I just kind of focused on film stuff. I need I needed a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. So I almost changed styles to get a change of scenery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> new girls, you know, like, just like a whole new scene, right? <coughs> I was like, <coughs> yeah, I think I'm going to hang out with these, uh, <laughs> you know, with the downtown music scene. But it wasn't a choice. So I, I, I did a uh, benefit concert for at the Cooler. Uh-huh. And Zorn was there, uh, and I, I didn't know who he was at all. I didn't know anything about that scene, but I, I improvised because I knew about that. And then, uh, yeah. You were playing solo, or what were you doing? Yeah, I played solo. And then, DJ? Uh, no, I played uh, electronics, you know, okay. and, and percussion, like mixed. And then, uh, yeah, he was really into it. He said I should do a record for Sadik. So I looked into Sadik, and it looked really cool. And then I had met Ikaway Mori through DJ Olive. So that was another, you know, pioneer woman who Always I met. The heaviest. And then I uh, became friends with her, and we all started kind of playing a lot. And then she, I think she was also the catalyst for Zorn to check me out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then I, I did uh, three albums with Zorn. That was that's that's really my time in the downtown music scene. Like that's about it. You know, yeah. it's like a good friends, but I don't think I'm a part of that scene. Um, right. I will be if someone asks me to I mean, go. I don't know. Or, but yeah. It's, it's a, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've got my... I'm a part of the older one, I think, with yeah. Juma. You know, because um, right. that is the even older downtown right. New York City, <laughs> but also Brooklyn. And, I mean, the downtown, you know, you know that I don't yeah. even know if that's an irrelevant term yeah. anymore, but it, it is evolving, and there are people who have, like, through lines. You know, that's how generational things yeah, work. Yeah. You know, and that could be anyone, like someone like Zorn... Or an Anthony Coleman who grew up in New York and were going to see shit as little kids in the you know the fifties, yeah, yeah. translating you know all the way down to you know dudes in basements around here, yeah. fucking blowing their nose into the saxophone. Like it's all, it, it's there's varying levels of it. I don't really know. I really learned a lot from Zorn. I think he's one of the big people that influenced certain things about my. Uh, the way I saw my career, the way I saw like the idea of controlling your work mm-hmm. and controlling your business, and you know, I think that's admirable. And uh, I had been around a lot of musicians who kind of like shunned people who like just fucking took hold of it. You know, Zorn's like P Diddy, right? You know, anybody Jay Z, impresario, know. yeah, 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 yeah. And so of that of that thing, he goes, "This is my shit. This is my thing. Stay in your fucking lane. I'm in my lane. You know, stay in your corner of the sandbox, and yeah. I'm in my corner of the sandbox." Like in reality, you know, like like let's you know, everyone is like that. Any big powerful person, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not a good thing, and uh, because it shows individualism, it shows how one person, as an individual, can gain power. Uh, using music and that's what I'm uh, you know I'm partially you know so very interested in and so it's like a, it's not just a, well it, it's interesting um, that that because this very conversation has been in the news the last week because um, really well Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
uh, made a comment. <laughs> you know, as people like, you know, Howard Schultz are announcing that he might run for president, as fucking Amazon was looking to come in and rape New York, but then they were asked to leave. She made a comment that there should be no billionaires, that the fact that the United States has billionaires is systemic of the disease of capitalism. I think that it's amazing that people can become billionaires in this country. This is where I lean, you know, outside right. of that, because I think, uh, you know, I, I found that in, in uh, music, look, socialism, I'm always going to stick to music and sound and what, what, it's, what it's doing in, in, within that. And this is totally hypothetical. And obviously, mm -hmm. I understand the things about socialism that make sense. I just don't understand her. I didn't right. understand Bernie Sanders. I, I did it first. I understand the things that make me go, yeah, you know, right. that's, that'd be great. But then I, I think, you know, <laughs> so I go, oh, wait a minute, you know, so it's the same thing with music. So, so I'm told that I have to use SoundCloud. This is the first step. And then you do SoundCloud. You don't have a SoundCloud account. You know, why don't you have a SoundCloud account? So this is the same thing as that where people go, yeah, but why should you be a billionaire? Why be a billion? Why don't, why don't you be right. less than you can be? Why don't you be a part of this? And it's like a collectivist uh -huh. idea. Uh, SoundCloud is collectivism. You know, it's huh. a, it's, you're not doing your own website. You're moving all of your power into uh, someone else's platform. Right. And so how does that actually, does it, and then you're, you're convinced that it will help you economically to do so. And eventually it is because it's by force. It, it, it is helping economically because that's where everyone's fucking going right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and then uh, but then you find that you're actually making less than you were before like keep in mind that when i started 15 selling cassettes i sold those for 10 bucks each right and i'm sure you made exponentially more money then yes yes and if someone stole my cassette i see them running and i pick up my little boom box and i chase them down the street and i get them and they're now itunes do i have an address of anyone that i can call at itunes when i have some sort of a grievance or you also have no idea <laughs> no. who the fuck is listening right or <laughs> if they are how many they are it's yeah. really so this is the same thing as some aspects of collectivism right you don't know who's listening. You don't know who's really behind the thing. You don't know where that money's going. You don't fucking know shit, right? You're trusting someone just because they're saying that this is how the world should be. Because you, of course, everyone agrees that that's how the world should be. But the, they're miss, everyone's missing out on the point that she's working for the government. <laughs> Great. So she's saying that within the government. And, and, and the government will never be a nice, friendly, good-looking good uh a, a socialist a hippie you know at a right. at a fucking uh Vichy Iyer concert you know it's not gonna happen it's not gonna be you know or Mike Ladder or my concert for uh -huh. that matter. I just mean anyone's concert is like we have these people that believe that we are all it's it's so difficult dude because mm -hmm. even equality gets into this very complicated uh, issue that no one wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. right, right now, we're in a point where no one wants to discuss certain very important things. Mm -hmm. And instead, they're focused on these actors, characters in this movie, but they're not seeing the premise of the entire movie, right? Right. Um, the left wing and the right wing thing is the same thing. It's like, we don't... You have right now... I mean, I just feel like I'm repeating, but right now, like as a pianist, 
if my left hand was going, yeah, fuck you, asshole! I hate you, you yeah, yeah. fucking male toxicity. And, you know, the, the, this one's like, God, fuck you, you fucking bleeding heart liberals, yeah, snowflake. <laughs> and, uh, and back and forth, right. back and forth. Uh, where's the music, man? Where, where, where's the uh, what? What's going on? Who are those hands connected to? The body, the musician, right. the ghost producer. That's me, <laughs> or, or whoever it is. Right. The, it's the it's the body. So no one's looking at the body. They're looking at the hands. You know, all the time in our yeah. Thing. So back to Cortez and socialism, all this stuff. Like if I could just get this idea through, it'd be amazing because I really I really believe there is truth to this. Is that you have the economic systems that are reflecting music uh, industry systems. Mm-hmm. And um, they also, because it's, it's proof that I'm right, that music has already been completely um, subjugated or pushed down in a way so that it doesn't gain more power over political theory. Mm-hmm. But music can be a political theory and an economic system that works if people... F- honed in on frequency ranges and all of this stuff because a lot of things come up like the idea of equality Mm -hmm. doesn't really happen in music some sounds go and some sounds stay Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like i don't think so 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 you're holding back a sound and that's because you are just that's not what i want to see so it's the idea of dissonance and harmony is what we're seeing now people are seeing donald trump it's dissonant as opposed to the harmony of what they saw before, even though that was a dangerous time for a lot of other countries and a lot of people lost their lives. No one saw that. They just saw a harmonious, very comfortable state that the country was in, visually, aesthetically, mm-hmm. almost artistically. And uh, I fear that this is gaining more we're just giving away more of these ideas as left-wing or right-wing people to this higher higher uh, issue, which is just easily finding ways of making money, you know? And it's not capitalism, because mm-hmm. money's going to be an issue. What, are we going to get rid of money when you have a socialist country? No, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of completely ridiculous. It's just an economic system. It, it's the laws that are enforcing it that are really where things get complicated. It's the greed that where things get complicated. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's people monopolizing something. But like, do you outlaw greed? Like no, you can't. <laughs> but uh, you can outlaw monopolies. Yeah, and that fixes capitalism. You can, it's a pretty good system after that. Yeah. So once you have that, it's it's kind of still better than socialism. Socialism really all it is is by force taking people's money and saying we're going to use that to do all these great things that all you guys want. Right. And I just don't trust Octavia Cortez or, or anyone with that money. I trust myself. I trust Howard Schultz that he will do the best he can for him as an individual. Yeah, that's what he does. That's how he right? do. And, and I, you're going to do the same, I hope. And I'm going to do the same. Right. And then we learn how to do it for each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like all this stuff like I didn't use a sound when I was 18 that I then used later in my 30s. Right. Because eventually I accepted that sound into the uh-huh into the sound system. I said I'm going to let people hear that sound through those loudspeakers. I'm going to incorporate that into my music, but I didn't do it before. Why? I didn't grow yet, right? 
Right. And so the things like we're, you're talking about transgenderism, we, we haven't grown yet. We're always growing. We're always learning. And, and it, you know, all this vocabulary that's changing, some of it I find, yeah, I, I find it positive, but I'd already heard that before. Mm -hmm. It's not new. I already did, you know, I had friends who were trans and then they told me how to, I, they would like me to describe them because it, it hurt them when I said what they were before. Right. They, when uh, I have one friend who was a she and became a he. And so th that's me relating to the individual. So these collectivist right. things are the things that I, I know that it's a draw, but, but I think people should be line. very, yeah. very careful about them because um, they should look at Edward Bernays, the guy who invented uh, PR mm -hmm. in the, you know, back in the 30s, uh, the propagandists. But they should look into a lot of the things that those guys did which is fact. It's not like conspiracy theories. It's Wikipedia with mm -hmm. with uh, collectivist things that were actually just being done for like the tobacco industry or or the port. Like no one knows really what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like right. Oh man, it's like dating sites have like ACLU tags on them. You know, and like like uh, let's say uh, right to love. You know, and uh, it's like whoa. Does anyone not have the right to love in America? Are they talking about marriage? Why don't they just say that? Like, a, right? Isn't gay marriage kind of at this point? It's pretty much like you could get married, you know, soon. Like pretty soon that everyone's yeah, married. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty open, and uh, you know, the Middle East is not like that at all. No, it's not. <laughs> you know. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I just I've been it's been blowing my mind, dude. Like just how when you think of these things in relation to music, it, it takes a little bit of kind of a mindset but once you do I mean it's, it I would say it's crazy for, <laughs> I, I think you know this might be like sort of a, a try like some of this or? no I'm good thanks uh trite observation but like starting with Jacatali's noise is probably a good place to start yeah 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 of if course. you want to you know begin to think about these things in these terms mm -hmm. um yeah, that's a good one I don't even know what to say uh I think yeah people should really be diving into that stuff it's also about um um, you know, critical thinking. It's becoming, even the word critical th thinking soon will be something that, that people say. But it's not actually what it is. <clears throat> not actually what it is. And then anyone who says it, it's going to be deemed a right-wing type of idea. I mean, a lot of what passes for critical thinking now, mm -hmm. especially among, you know, like a liberal arts set, is heavily informed by... By a majority think like a group think uh, about what is morally acceptable and and immediately i take issue with that and it gets tricky for me yeah yeah it's uh, me too i mean being from new york being you know affiliated with the hardcore scene like a former graffiti writer and all this stuff that i i've done i political correctness was never really something that we really right. thought about too much i i think i agree with some of it but it's just a well, matter of you as yourself being uh, someone who wants to be that kind of person who's a dickhead or, or not, you know, and, and, and we can't make it illegal, right? So what are we doing, right? Like all the all the media about it, about political correctness, about all these things, how are they, uh, what are they really influencing? Are they influencing the music? Could they, you know, yes. Yeah, they are. Right. Yeah, and I, so. I've never, you know, this probably explains a lot why like i've always had a hard time keeping my fucking lights turned on but i i 
in my in my gut, I immediately just turn the other way when I hear any any aesthetic choice that's informed by a group. If I see a line at a door, whether it's a restaurant, a venue, whatever the fuck it is, I go, that's the place I don't want to go. Right. You know? Maybe you got this from your the communist Could background. Be. That's what, kind be. of what I'm saying. Like, we see, we, we have precautions that we have been giving. Well, I mean, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but if right, we're right. coming from an, uh, a background of Eastern European Jewry, it's kind of good to be cautious. Of course. You kind yeah. of know. It's, it's in our blood. It's in our DNA yeah. to... You know, it's like Morton Feldman said. He's like, I'm not paranoid. I'm just cautious. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? They went this way. I went that way. He's one of my favorites. Oh, but he's Feldman. also, you know, again, another rabbit hole to maybe not go down. I mean, uh, you know, his work isn't being performed by certain ensembles anymore. Why? In the age of Me Too. Oh, become... did he? Did he Me Too? Did he get Me Tooed? Yeah. Morton Feldman? Yeah. No. Well, like, how bad, though? I, I can talk about this. Uh, Benita Marcus uh, okay. has come out as saying that she was repeatedly sexually assaulted or, or um, there was a lot of sexual misconduct on his behalf towards her uh-huh. and that it fucked her up for the, you know. Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's that, that, you know, and it's a, it's a wide variety of things. Uh, we're, you know, we're talking about the 50s and, you know. 70s. 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, so he was a professor at that point. Yeah. I mean, classic, classic power structure. Well, to there's engage. a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that out there. And it's like, yeah, I guess like us talking about that seems like dangerous, but yet talking about other things doesn't, you know, but it actually is relatable. You know what I'm saying? Like people that we look up to are then going to be diminished by the me too movement or the, well, yeah it's happening or I the mean, trump thing right some people may uh kanye freaked everyone out you know but not necessarily he, he gained a lot of fans in another way uh, eminem lost fans after he did his whole rant right against trump I actually enjoyed more what he did during the Bush administration. There was a great video. I'm pretty down with Eminem. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I think he's talented. I don't care much yeah. for him. And I didn't think that, fuck, he, everyone who voted for Trump was like remotely smart. You well, know? No. I think when people say that, it's, I saw Chuck D post something and I actually got into an argument with someone affiliated and about it because i found it really stupid it was just like this thing he posted. i mean everyone could post everyone's the president posts really stupid things so it's like who knows i mean uh the twitter thing i'm sorry man it's just too much for me to handle I it's mean, it's, a, it's he a, tweets like a kardashian it's like he how is? is this yeah yeah how is i mean it's, it's the same he's thing right fucking reality TV it's star. The same thing, yeah, famous yeah. for nothing yeah well you know it, it's a little refreshing for an anarchist to kind of smile as this all takes place but but you know sure. and you know for me i'm just like yeah. <laughs> you know um but but back to the back to the thing is like if 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 all musicians are going to align themselves to one political ideology what we're going to have is a very easily manipulated political ideology because smart people will go into that and say that they're a part of that ideology and manipulate it. Mm -hmm. Or they really believe it, but they're also completely fucked up people who don't understand logic in, in a lot of sense. Some, some of the socialist ideas ha are missing an aspect of logic. And when you approach the conversation with some of those things, there's this like weird kind of closed off part with some people actually do know, but there's not many, you know, like, like really they get into the deep shit. 
I mean, right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I, I, I have to, I always choose my words very carefully. Uh, I don't. I, I'll say a couple things. One is when I was a kid growing up, uh, I'm like hesitant to even say this, but like you play cops and robbers, like who wanted to be the fucking cops? Nobody. Like you want to, you who, know. Who, who wanted to be Luke Skywalker? I wanted to be, be Darth, Darth Vader. Vader you, like you want the danger. You want yes. the, the absence. But why are you hesitant to say that? What's soundboying you from saying that? <laughs> That's what I'm getting at, bro. Well, what? Something soundboying you, right? Because the fu- political we, we, correctness. But we, yeah, we've become a fucking nation of finks that we can't wait to fucking rat on each other. That's the fucked up thing, man. It's like William, like precisely. Here's what I'll say: weakened. I, I, I will put this very simple and like childishly, like age thirteen, commie summer camp. This fucking camp counselor was like. You seem like you're kind of like into some crazy shit. And he laid on me a copy of Naked Lunch and Tom Waits' Rain Dogs. Nice. And boom, it's like, cool, I was ready to go. That was the... That was the that was your mentor. I was your Juma Sultan. Totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, interacting with a subversive, interacting with things that, you know, were completely sort of like uncensored and and... You know, in pretty clear opposition to any puritanical idea was hugely important for me. It sparked a creative journey that fucking right. almost 30 years later, I'm still on. Right, right. You know? Right. So when you have, you know, as artists, like, you know, like this thing with Louis C.K. coming out and, you know, someone illegally taped a set, creative people were the first people to jump on him and fucking flush him down the toilet. Right. Man, we. Let's not get it twisted. Like, you know, as creative people, we need to kind of, you know, really strengthen our community and not be the first fucking cats to, like, chop each other off. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. That doesn't mean people shouldn't be held and accountable also, for, for behavior and actions. Yeah, yeah, And also, if someone does something to you that sexually or whatnot, but I don't want to mansplain here. <laughs> but I guess I have to because I have a dick. Um, so I'm going to do it. Is that, um, and I'm not worried about like not getting pussy or something from it. So <laughs> nothing to fear. So I mean, the, the thing that I would say is, you can defend yourself. Uh, you can fucking say, "Yo, no, what the fuck are you doing, motherfucker? I'm gonna go and me to your ass right now." You owe me a hundred grand right now. You know, like, like, just get, you know, get in there. You know, like, do, get in there. But instead of like posting on Facebook because a Me Too movement came out, like that gave you the strength to then talk about it. That is interesting. That a social media collectivist campaign gave that gave you the strength to talk about right. it when you couldn't get that your fucking self, and that's the problem. That's the thing that people need to pay attention to. Why couldn't they find that strength within themselves without the uh, collectivist I mean, motion? That hopefully is the goal as a human is to yeah. evolve to totally. Play. Yeah. But if you can't do that, you can't do anything. Uh, that, that, that would make you a powerful person able to control uh, areas of a country or, or things like that. So, so all these things are there to push you farther away from gaining power and other people have all the power because they know this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what I fear is that when musicians, a lot of it now, man, is that 
because I'm seeing a very predominantly one-sided opinion from most musicians. And if they have a different opinion, even if it's deplorable, they are cut off from the sound system. And uh, I've seen it happen. I have friends mm -hmm. who are called white supremacists who simply are not white supremacists because he's a libertarian. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy I know named Distal, who's a, a techno producer. Mm -hmm. I'm like I hear I hear a friend of mine text me, "Yo, Distal's getting slaughtered on Twitter by Boiler Room," and I'm like, "What? Why? Why would someone do that?" You know, I go on there and Boiler Rooms, Boiler Room, it has a roster. I mean, a, a following of over five hundred thousand people or something. The guy there is upset because uh, Distal posted Jordan Peterson videos and some Ben Shapiro videos. And so, therefore, he's a white supremacist and a neo-Nazi, <laughs> and that uh, everyone should just burn his records, like, uh, which is a little close to something we know about. Anyway, yeah. so, so, I, so I was like, so I went to bat for him, because no one else would. And, uh, you know, people came at me, but they just sort of stopped short, because, like, if they know me, they just, they just know better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, and then if they don't know me, um, well, they're just... I don't really matter anyway right. to them. Because right. I only matter to the people who know me, and I like to keep it that way. If you know about my music, I'm going to matter to you. Right. If you don't, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I, has, I have more flexibility in that way. You know? But someone like Distal doesn't think that way. He's just a guy doing his thing. He's into Jordan Peterson. Right. Uh, uh, who actually, I, I don't know. I, I've watched some of his stuff. And He's dumb. He's kind of like he's the kind of guy. I think he's pretty simple-minded, and he's you know presenting himself as if he's not. Well, he's he's smarter than me in terms of academic. Well, yeah, no, but he, he I, I don't. But let's not talk about individual right. people. Right. The point is that this guy just lost a huge following, and that was totally uncalled for. I mean, arguably his livelihood. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what does that mean? And why? Why is it that he didn't even feel he had to do anything about it? Because. He just feels like, oh, well, you know, that's how it is. It's really interesting because this isn't like he's posting some Richard Spencer shit or something. Right. Uh, or like actually Hitler, you know? Right. <laughs> I've met real neo-Nazis uh, back in the day. I, yeah. I used to have to, uh, you know, get into brawls with these guys with all the rest of the skinheads. You know, there were right. skinheads here that weren't. Nazis, they're right. into ska and reggae. Right, right, right. right. Dub. Red, red laces, not white laces. <laughs> yeah, no one knows that. You know, yeah. that's why it's so important to jock chemistry. My friend Scotty Banks, the, he's he's out now, and he is just like totally shocked because he's he's now arriving in a new world where New York doesn't know what a skinhead is and it thinks that it's a Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> and that uh, anyone who does metal is now deemed like a white supremacist. And uh, but then if you appropriate. Uh, from black culture, you're then an, an appropriator. Yeah, I don't know. So, so anyone, you know, this can be easily navigated away from the stream, from from the speakers. You know, it comes back to that. Mm -hmm. They're they're being turned away from the sound system and being mm -hmm. heard. Mm -hmm. So that's uh that's frequency. That's all the stuff that we're all talking about. You know, so it it it, it does affect the musicians if they do it to other people. Mm -hmm. It'll affect their music. They'll be they'll be doing that to their own music instead of individually looking at each sound individually, paying attention to that one sound for like a week, and then the the snare drum, 
and making mm-hmm. sure that that just pops just right for like a week. It just have a relationship mm-hmm. with the snare drum and then the bass line and then, you know, fucking fuck the bass line. You know, have, se- have an affair with the bass line, have a divorce with the kick drum, <laughs> meet the hi-hat a little later, have a threesome, whatever the fuck you're doing, right? Yeah. Just fucking do it in the music and uh, amazing shit happens. But, but yet they don't see this in real life. You know, like, like you have to do that in real life too. Yeah. It's all mixed together. It's all the same thing. So anyway, I think that once we realize that we're going to make better music and also musicians, God forbid, are going to have a lot more power in uh, government. And it's going to be a nightmare. Man, because they're I can think complete of a lot idiots. of musicians. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, I can think of a lot. I don't want this. This is not what I want. I would prefer someone like Howard Schultz. Like, look, the thing about Trump, sorry, we out of time? No, 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 no. I was just like, like, the thing about Trump, like, I would want, I like the idea of a businessman. A lot of people disagree with me. I like the idea of a businessman in as the president. Just, just once, like a guy who fucking started from scratch. But I would go with like Warren Buffett or something, not this guy. Like, you know I would never cut Warren Buffett off in line to go to the bathroom, right? Like, if I was running to the bathroom after, after I was DJing, Warren Buffett was standing there. Yeah. Whoa, that's Warren Buffett. This dude was a kid, and he, like, figured out how to fucking invest money, and he became a... He's one of the 1%, and he's all into the rich paying their taxes, and yeah. he's, he's down with what people are saying. The perfect kind of guy. Like, to me, that's the guy. I would be like... Yeah, you know, I'll be like, oh, Mr. Buffett, oh, right please, away, sir. <laughs> please go and, and, and take this cocaine that yeah. I was about to do with you, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's what I was going to do. Back in the day. Yeah. And, but, but it was Trump. And no, no offense to him, but I, I, I didn't have that. I'm probably going to end up dead, you know, like tomorrow. But I didn't, I didn't feel there's the no, need to refrain from going, yeah, fuck you, man, I'm the DJ. So, so there's something to that. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very yeah. uh, just intrinsically there. It's not, it's not like a learned thing. It's yeah, like yeah, your yeah, instincts yeah. knew, yeah. this guy's a fucking dumb animal. Yeah, yeah. But you, could, but you could go kind of deep with this, though, because why is that? Well, let's go back to sound. Dissonance. It's, 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 it's off tune from the the note that everything should be on right right and uh and so you're you know you're over here okay so racists they see a black person in their all-white neighborhood this is the the note yeah the note is this all-white neighborhood <laughs> and a black guy walks on and whoa it's dissonant right? right it's like off uh it's slightly off from the uh the note that they're accustomed to if you do this through sound all through everyone's life and keep them fixed on a particular note. Everything that's off of that note is going to seem undesirable to them. Yeah. Um, some, sometimes that note that everyone's is postmodernism. So there's things that Peterson says, but he's not getting there. But you hint at things that I, I agree about postmodernism, but he's not. Yeah, I agree with no, somebody, I, what you're saying. You so, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but he, he is at least opening the floodgates. There's a anyway there's a lot of things like this it's, it could be socialism or or it could just be uh it could be um capitalism it uh-huh. could be anything right but it really has to be something that doesn't have a lot of diversity so the the more you you get remove all these frequencies it's a pure tone sine wave yeah you know what you hear when you die right Out, anything <sighs> off or lower from that is going to seem dissonant right? right until unless it's equal tempered from the bass note 
then it's allowed in. Right? <sighs> so if that is the case, and I was talking about this before I read Atali, but I like that book. Yeah, so we're going there. Uh -huh. right? But if that's the case, how does that apply in everything we're living? It applies to everything. It applies to women that we find desirable uh, and, and women who see men, if I, or men who men, see men who find right. desirable, everything. It has to do with symmetry. And uh, if, if, you know, the eyes are on the equal yeah. thing, and the whole thing, it's tempered. Everything is tempered, right? Uh, tempered increments. Yeah. We're not used to our houses being all like fucking deformed and shit, right? Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like all this stuff. That's why frequency had to be controlled mm. or it's all hell breaks loose in terms of having a higher uh, power, you know. And some of us maybe don't know what we want. Like, oh, we want that higher power, oh, the new world order, the Illuminati to be destroyed. Oh, what if that's a complete disaster? <laughs> it could be that that would be the worst thing ever. And like, this is probably the best that it'll be. You know, like it's it's pretty, it's pretty fucking brutal. It's brutal in our realizations. Anyway, this is what happens uh when you live two years in Woodstock and. I'll say this. Multi, yeah, I, microdose for like. I brought you some dissonant recordings of my Awesome, own. dude. Thank you. But I think we've done good today. <laughs> this has been fucking awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Same here, man. And I, yeah, this is this is really, I'm, I'm glad to be able to come over and talk Gosh, to you. Dude. And you play clarinet. Great instrument. Uh, that's that's the, the jury's just not quite out on that. <laughs> cool, cool, man. All right. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, brother. Shit. All right, that was Raz Masinai, the dub Jew. The dub Jew, look it up, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know, look it up. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one quite a lot, and uh, thank you, Raz. Thank you for your time. Go to hereticofether.tumblr.com. And uh, I'll just say something real quick that I, I meant to say a week ago. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Brody Stevens. You were a funny dude, and uh, I, I greatly enjoyed every time I got to see you play live. Brody Stevens. You got it. All right. Talk to you next week. <laughs>